Welcome to the Hurricane Labs podcast. I'm Heather, and today we're going to be following up on the breaches announced in December by FireEye and SolarWinds. Now, as you very likely remember, just days apart last month, FireEye and SolarWinds each publicly announced that they had been breached. Following their announcements, Hurricane Labs shared security advisories as well as a podcast discussing the event. So if you want refreshers on those releases, you can access that content by following our provided links. Today, Senior SOC Analyst Tony Robinson is back with us to bring an update on these breaches. Tony, thanks for joining me. Oh, no problem. Happy to be here. Uh, well, let's go ahead and dive right in and uh, start with FireEye. Have there been any developments since they initially announced the breach? Well, there haven't been uh, too many developments since then. The only thing that I have heard of recently is that there was a there's a site online where there are a group of hackers that are claiming that they have access, to, among other things, with regards to the SolarWinds breach, that they have access to a couple of uh, FireEye documents and uh, access to their tools with documentation for how to use them and things of that nature. This is like a very recent development. It happened within like the last couple of days. Um, I believe uh, solarleaks.net is the site and nobody has anything that confirms whether or not what they have is actually valid. So aside from that, um, the FireEye breach was more or less uh, an open and shut case. They announced that they had gotten compromised and then released indicators to detect their tools because they couldn't be sure whether or not they had been fully, comp or fully breached or whether or not they had been used by um, the attackers or not. Has there been any other damage as far as FireEye goes? other than the potential of their tools being misused? I mean, there's always the worry that they might have been, they might have accessed uh, customer records, but there's no evidence. There hasn't been anything publicized that indicates any of their customers have been compromised or any of their data has been accessed. And I mean, if anybody is going to be um, eating their own dog food or, you know, doing the, uh, doing the right thing and informing their customers and making sure that it's known that, you know, that these things happen, it's probably going to be FireEye. Right. Um, so with SolarWinds then, uh, I saw that in their filings with the, uh, the Securities and Exchange Commission, they were able to reverse engineer the code that uh, was used and learn more about the tools. Uh, that the hackers deployed. Could you explain a little bit about what they found? Well, one of the things that I had heard about recently, um, I want to say it was uh, CrowdStrike that recently did an analysis of uh, one of the tools that they deployed. So the thing that's really interesting about the breach is that, you know, of course, it's a supply chain attack. And we've been talking about you know, how supply chains are kind of a necessary thing if you run a large enough organization. And um, it's kind of interesting in that they claim that they managed to gain access to their build system or their system that they use for compiling code and making different versions of their product through an open FTP server or with, with weak credentials. 
Then afterwards, it was claimed that the um, the attackers, when they got access to uh, SolarWinds' network, the uh, what they ended up doing is installing a uh, piece of malware or code that when the SolarWinds Orion software in particular was being compiled on this virtual machine or this system, while it was being compiled, it would insert the backdoor or the malicious code that they wanted to get shipped out to as many customers as possible. So it was, it's not necessarily a case of the attackers compromised a developer account and said, I'm going to uh, dump this code here and I'm going to put it up in uh, Git or CVS or SVN or whatever they use for code management. It was, here's a piece of malware that I'm going to stick on the system that does the software compiling. And we're going to inject this code as the code is, as uh, the product's being compiled or being updated. So it was really interesting to see how they did that because you know, a lot of people are saying like, well, why wasn't code review being done? Why wasn't there comparisons being done? It would have been extremely hard to detect it. And I don't think that code review would have caught it. What does this mean for the security community then? I think it just means that um, further introspection needs to be done in people's supply chains uh, altogether, to be perfectly honest. Um, you know, it's really hard to figure out what that looks like. Your supply chain needs to be trusted, and if it's not trusted, then you have significant problems. You know, some others are, some other organizations are suggesting to doing tabletop exercises where you say, "Well, one of my vendors got breached, and it turns out it was a supply chain attack, and this particular piece of software that we use got backdoor. How would we recover from that? What will we do? Do we have any other vendors that we would be able to switch to while they are?" Uh, getting this supply chain breach managed, uh, things along those lines. It's, it's a much easier said than done scenario. That's what makes it so hard to give proper guidance on because it's just a massive problem. I mean, SolarWinds being a prime example here, I've uh, been in IT and information security for the better part of a decade altogether. And even when I was in school and just getting involved in you know, learning more about the IT world in general, SolarWinds was a well-known name back then. So that just kind of gives you an idea of how long they've been there and how much of a trusted name they are. And to you know, have that supply chain and have that trust kind of breached is a pretty big deal. What sort of damage are we talking about? Well, as of right now, um, so there have been a couple of different organizations who say state that they have been impacted by the uh, supply chain breach and that they might have been targeted by this adversary. Um, Microsoft said that uh, some of their code might have been viewed. I don't think that they said it was modified. They only had read. They had read-only access to particular bits of code. Um, of course, there was FireEye and their uh, tools getting uh, getting leaked. There was, uh, I want to say, uh, Cisco said that they had similar issues. The Department of Homeland Security said that they were targeting. And the latest that I heard was uh, uh, the U.S. Uh, Office of the Court uh, that they claimed uh, somebody tried to access uh, sealed indictments in the uh, PACER database. Uh, PACER is this uh, law enforcement database where... Uh, charges and indictments are stored where that's kind of public information with with exception of course to uh, sealed indictments 
And I think that that was something that the attackers were targeting. And uh, they are alleging that it was related to the SolarWinds breach. What's your general reaction to how all of this has progressed? I just kind of want to take a minute and say like how, how fast the story developed and how quickly things uh, kind of snowballed. I mean, at first uh, there was, I had some inkling that uh, there was a, uh, an NSA announcement or a um, CISA announcement stating that there was a vulnerability in this VMware product. And right after that statement was put out, FireEye said that they got breached. And then right after FireEye got breached, on the 13th, that Sunday night, you know, people are saying that SolarWinds had been compromised and FireEye had put out a bunch of indicators. And I just uh, logged in and uh, got on social media and saw all of my uh, colleagues from various other places talking about it. And I was like, this is going to be a big deal. So Yeah, so I, I'm coming up on two years now with uh, Hurricane Labs and I've got no prior technical experience. I was an English teacher for 10 years. So I'm just now starting to get my sea legs, as it were, uh, with all of this. And even I, on that Sunday, I was like, oh boy, like I knew like that I'm going to be up bright and early. I'm going to have my coffee. I'm going to be ready to go because even I knew like this is going to be one heck of a day that we're going to be coming into. That same night, I was writing up uh, um, advisories and blog posts and saying like, hey, I've got this stuff written up for our customers because... You know, with a name like SolarWinds being around as long as they have, they're going to have questions. They're going to want to know whether or not we got coverage. And then it turns out, you know, that's SolarWinds said that up to a couple thousand customers were affected by it. And that, um, you know, a couple thousand customers had installed the backdoored software, not that they had actually had been breached. And then um, another security company came into the mix of uh, Alexity stated that they were tracking this group or this group of attackers since late 2019. So it's really interesting to see that over um, the period of about a month, how the story has evolved and how more details have come forward between now and then. It just kind of goes to show that, you know, um, this was a pretty complicated attack. I, I know that the sophisticated gets thrown a lot in um, thrown a lot in um, threat intelligence reports and APT reports by different vendors, but uh, this was quite sophisticated because they had the patience to wait things out and um, ensure that they got access to the targets that they wanted. With all of these people, you know, analyzing what happened and looking at the tools and trying to track this group. Why is it that no one's saying, abs like they, people are saying they're pretty sure it was Russians, but they're not certain it was Russians. Where's the, uh, why is that an issue? Well, that, uh, that's a, a whole can of worms when it comes to um, attribution of a threat or a threat group. Um, people can say that there are hallmarks that suggest that this software was used by this group. It has something to do with being able to analyze the tradecraft and analyze how the software is developed and how it might be similar to other pieces of software that uh, have been observed in other attacks. And um, some security companies will say, this software has all the hallmarks of a Russian campaign or this uh, the way that they 
rushed in and they grabbed everything they could and they didn't really care if they got caught or not. This kind of looks more like a Chinese campaign. Um, or they might just do code comparisons and say, hey, this code block or this decompiled part of the code is very, very similar to this breach that we saw in this campaign. So they can say that they are hallmarks or that there are um, there's a bit of tradecraft that looks similar, but being able to say for sure, yeah, this is definitely the Russians or this is definitely the Chinese or whatever um, nation state is targeting the data is much more difficult. Um, you don't really get that too much with uh, threat intelligence and information security companies because they don't have the sources and methods that say an intelligence community would have. Like, um, uh, one of the uh, more interesting reports uh, when it comes to advanced threats was um, uh, was FireEye and Mandiant's APT1 report way back in the day. You know, they had information that the Chinese were attempting to compromise multiple targets. They managed to get pictures of the attackers. They knew what building they were coming out of. And, I mean, at that time, I want to say that they were... Um, there's no definitive source that says this, but to be able to get that level of data, you had to have been partnering with an intelligence community source of some sort, you know. Right. Um, it might be National Geospatial. It might have been the NSA. It might have been another source. I can't say for sure, but, you know, it's kind of hard to say to get that information or get that level of granularity to say it was definitely these guys in this country for this military or for this group, you know? Right. Right. All right. Well, thank you for taking the time to talk to us about all this stuff today. Oh, no problem. It was good talking. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for joining me once again. I appreciate it. Later. That's all for today. Stay tuned for our next podcast, where we'll be talking about vulnerability and disclosure policies with Roxy, our vulnerability management specialist, and Hurricane Labs owner and chief technical officer, Bill Matthews. Till then, stay safe.